0: Hey, friends, my name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. We're working to build a community position to experience God in daily life. Our weekly teaching is one piece of that work. So as you listen to this week's message, my prayer is that you would hear God inviting you to respond to His love and His desire for you. For more information, you can visit ridgeline.church. So it was in the summer of 2003 that I sat by my then 10-year-old daughter's bedside in Mission Memorial Hospital in Asheville, North Carolina. Catherine had been rushed to the hospital a few days earlier due to a ruptured appendix that occurred while she was at summer camp. Now, unfortunately, The folks, the adults at camp, the counselors and the medical staff, did not take Catherine's complaints as seriously as they should have. And so it was several days from the onset of her abdominal pain until she got to the hospital. And by that time, her appendix had ruptured and she had a massive infection raging through her body. Catherine's condition was touch and go for many days. She had emergency surgery to try to clear out and clean out her abdominal cavity. And her surgeon really would not tell Nolan and me what he thought might be the outcome. He just said, we we need to wait and see. So we did. We waited (laughs) for several days. And finally, after Catherine had been in the hospital, I don't know, maybe a week or so, The surgeon came in to examine her that morning, and he looked at Nolan and me, and he said, She's gonna be okay. She's gonna make it. She's gonna be okay. And he left the room, and after he left her room, I said these words Thank you, God, for saving Catherine's life. You are so good. Now, if you're a parent, you can understand that sentiment. Thank you, God, for saving Catherine's life. You are so good. And then here's what happened next. God spoke to me. Now, I was not hearing voices. He didn't speak to me audibly, but he spoke to me very clearly in my spirit. And he said these words to me. He said even if she had died i am good even if she had died i am good wow (laughs) took me a while to process that in fact when god spoke those words to me nearly 20 years ago i was incredulous i mean (laughs) what kind of a faith does it take to believe that what kind of faith does it take to believe that god is good even when your worst nightmare happens even when your only child dies is god good can he be trusted is he worthy of worship when God does not restore your marriage, when God does not set you or your loved one free from addiction, when God does not use those chemo treatments to restore your health, even if the worst imaginable thing happens? Is he good? Even if God doesn't, and you fill in that blank, even if God doesn't, is he worthy of worship and to be followed? And what kind of faith does it take to do so? Today, we're going to look at a biblical account of three men who were in an extremely desperate situation and who demonstrated what I'm going to call, even if he doesn't, faith. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at how these men developed this faith in God and how we can do the same when life is difficult and devastating So we're going to be in Daniel chapter 3 this morning. And if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to the third chapter in Daniel. Daniel's in the Old Testament. It's a little bit hard to find. But if you get to the New Testament, you've gone too far. Go backward. Daniel chapter 3. And we're going to read several verses. But before we do that, I want to give you some context of what is going on in this chapter. So the nation of Israel who were the group of people that God miraculously revealed himself to. They were the group of people whom God had rescued uh, from slavery in Egypt. And they're the group of people from whom Jesus would eventually be born. They have been taken from their homeland and they've been deported to the country of Babylon. Babylon. And in Babylon, they are slaves. They are being held captive, and they are forced to serve King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar and the people of Babylon were what we would call a pagan nation. They did not believe in the one true God, and they had many detestable and ungodly practices. So as the Israelites lived and worked and served in this land, unfortunately, many of the Israelites began to look like the Babylonians, and they took on some of these ungodly characteristics of this foreign nation. But there were a few people who remained faithful to the one true God. Daniel, for whom this book is named, and three of his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So as Daniel 3 opens, we see that King Nebuchadnezzar has really pulled what I'm going to call just a supreme narcissistic move. And this guy has erected a golden statue of himself. And he has told the people in the land that every time they hear music, they are to fall down and worship this golden statue. And the punishment for not doing so is that they're going to be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. So that's where we pick up in chapter 3 and I'm going to start reading with verse 8. So follow along with me or if you don't have scripture just listen as I read. Some Chaldeans, that's another group that's in the land of Babylonian. Some Chaldeans took this occasion to come forward and maliciously accuse the Jews. Jump down to verse 12. These people, the Chaldeans, said, there are some Jews you have appointed to manage the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men have ignored you, the king. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Then, in a furious rage, Nebuchadnezzar gave orders to bring in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar asked them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you don't serve my gods or worship the gold statue I have set up? Now, if you're ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, drum, and every kind of music, fall down and worship the statue I made. But... If you don't worship it, you will immediately be thrown into a furnace of blazing fire. And who is the God who can rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer. this question. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not, even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you set up, even if he does not. Let that sink in for just a moment. Really think about what these guys have just said. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have declared that even if the outcome of their situation is death by fire, they will not betray the one true God. Now, I think most of us read that or hear that and think, I could never have that kind of faith. I think most of us, read this account, hear about these three men, and we think that they are some superstar, super spiritual Christians. But I don't think that's true. I think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were ordinary men who followed an extraordinary God. And I think... That the faith of these men, this even if he doesn't faith, can be yours and it can be mine. If we understand four truths. And the first of those truths that we need to understand is this. Even if he doesn't faith is built over a long period of time even if he doesn't, faith is built over a long period of time. If you go back to chapter 1 of Daniel, you'll see that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made a decision when they were first deported to Babylon to remain true to the one true God. These three men were determined... They were resolved. They were committed to follow God in this foreign pagan nation, just like they had been taught to do since they were children. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not wait to start building this, even if he doesn't faith, when they got to Babylon. They had been developing and building and practicing this faith over many, many, many years. And here's the thing. Developing anything takes time, doesn't it? You know, Shanna didn't wake up this morning and just suddenly know how to play the keys. (laughs) Musicians develop their skill over hours and hours and hours of practice. Medical professionals develop their skill over years and years and years of study and hands-on training. Athletes develop their skill over an enormous amount of practices and drills. And so it works the same with our faith. We don't just wake up on a Sunday morning and suddenly have this, even if he doesn't, faith. This kind of faith is built, it's developed by trusting God little by little by little over a long period of time. Now, I will tell you that 20 years ago, when God spoke to me in that hospital room, I did not have this kind of faith. In fact, I've thought much about it. And I will have to admit that if Catherine had died when she was 10 years old, I don't know that I would have or could have continued to follow God. But here's what happened. When God spoke to me those words, it set me on a journey. It set me on a journey to actually find out, really? (laughs) Is that true? God, are you good no matter what happens in my life? And so this journey that has lasted all of these years and continues in my life even now, it was a journey to really study Scripture, really soak in the truths about God, understand the character of God. And so you know what happened? Slowly and surely, as I began to intellectually understand more about God, I began to trust him a little bit more. And as I began to trust him a little bit more, I would begin to follow him a little closer. And I would find that God is faithful and he is who he says he is. And so over a period of 20 years, When another crisis came to our family in January of 2018, I knew then that no matter, no matter the outcome of that life-changing news that we received, I would continue to follow God and serve Him and love Him. Even if he doesn't faith, is built over a long period of time. The second truth about this faith is that even if he doesn't, faith is built through trials and difficulty. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not have an easy life. They were removed from their homeland in Jerusalem and deported to Babylon where they were held captive. And in Babylon, they became targets of other people's jealousy because of the extraordinary knowledge and wisdom and understanding that God gave them. Life in Babylon was difficult. It was hard for Shadrach, Meshach, and abednego yet over and over and over through their years in this foreign country as new challenges arose as new problems arose as new fears arose these men found god to be faithful god was faithful to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because he gave them favor with the captain of the Babylonian guard, and these men then got to serve the king, which was a pretty cushy job. God was faithful to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and saved them from execution when God gave Daniel this extraordinary ability to interpret the king's dreams. And so now in this crisis, as these three men are faced with death, unless they bow down to this statue, they refuse to cave. They refuse to give in. They refuse to turn their back on God because they know through their trials and through their difficulties that God is faithful The years when I was in my mid-twenties were the hardest years of my life. I was single. I hadn't even met Nolan at that time. I had just finished grad school and had just started my career. And I had a job that had a lot of responsibility and sometimes a lot of stress. And when I was 25 years old, literally overnight, my uncle, who was the person who raised me and the person that I loved most in the world, he lost sight in one of his eyes. That same week, he was diagnosed with an aggressive malignant brain tumor. And suddenly at 25 years old, I was thrust into the role of caregiver for my uncle and primary support person for my aunt, his wife. My uncle's disease spread quickly and he died at home only six months after his diagnosis. During my uncle's illness, my aunt began a downward spiral both physically and emotionally. And immediately following my uncle's death, my aunt's physical and mental health really took a nosedive. My uncle and aunt had no biological children, and so as my aunt's health deteriorated rapidly, while I was still working my full-time job, I became my aunt's full-time caregiver and the person who made all of the medical decisions, the household decisions, and the financial decisions. I was 26 years old. My aunt's disease spread quickly, and one month after my 28th birthday, she also died at home. The years when I was 25, 26, 27, and 28 were horrible they were horrendous if i could say it to you this way those years were a living hell for me i struggled to survive physically and mentally and emotionally and honestly i didn't know if i would ever recover Now, it'd be nice for me to sit here and say to you all that during that period of time, I saw God moving in my life and I saw God's faithfulness, but that would not be accurate. You see, at the time that this was happening, I did not have the spiritual maturity, nor did I have the physical or emotional capacity to look for God or think about God, except from time to time when I would cry out, God, help me, I cannot do this. But you know what? After years and years and years of reflection and years and years and years of processing, here's what I can tell you about mid-20s. I can tell you that I would never want to go through that again and I wouldn't take anything for the lessons that I learned at such a young age about God and about myself. Trials can be faith builders if we allow them to be. Because the more we walk through the fires of life, the more opportunity we have to see God's faithfulness. And the more we experience God's faithfulness, the more confident that we will be in his ability to rescue us. And the more confident we become in his ability to rescue us, the more likely we will have this even if he doesn't. Even if he doesn't, faith is built through the trials and difficulties of life. Thirdly, even if he doesn't, faith is built by understanding the character of God. Even if he doesn't, faith is built by understanding the character of God. I'm going to go back to chapter 2 and read to you what Daniel says about God. Chapter 2, verse 20. Daniel says, May the name of God be praised forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. He changes the times and seasons. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals the deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. These men knew the character of God. And knowing God's character, his true character allowed them to have this even if he doesn't faith when they were faced with the biggest crisis of their life you know i've lived long enough to know that often you and i want to make god into who we want him to be you and i conjure up an image of god good or bad Kind or evil, gracious or stingy, based on what we perceive God to be doing or not doing at any given time. You and I sometimes think that God's character is tied to how we feel about Him on any given day. The day that the doctor declared that Catherine was going to live, God was good. Had she died, God would have not been good. When we get that long-awaited promotion, God is generous. When we're passed over, he is not. When a relationship is restored, God is kind. When there is no reconciliation, God is mean and hateful. If we are honest, this is how we routinely think about God. But the reality is that God's character is not tied to what we think about him. God's character is who he is, and he is who he is all of the time. And he tells us who he is in the scripture. The scripture tells us that God is loving. Romans 5, 8. but God proves his own love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. The scripture tells us that God is good. Psalm 25, 8. The Lord is good and upright. The scripture tells us that God is patient. Psalm 103, verse 8, The Lord is compassionate and merciful, very patient, and full of faithful love. The scripture tells us that God is faithful. Hebrews 10:23. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. God is who God says he is, not who we think he is based on our feelings or our emotions. Now, I do want to say here that it is okay to lament when life is hard. It is okay to be angry at God when life sucks. (laughs) I think to not lament over death and evil and tragedy, to not be disappointed sometimes or discouraged, I think that is just unnatural. You know, God gave us emotions. He created our emotions. So there is nothing wrong with emotion. But what can happen is that we give our emotions such a prominent place in our life that we live based on our emotions and not based on the truth about God. And that's when we get off track. Even if he doesn't faith, is not built on our emotions about God, but it is built by understanding the true character of God. And then fourthly, even if he doesn't faith, acknowledges that God knows better than we do. I want you to listen to verse 17 and 18 again of chapter 3. We know that he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that God could rescue them, and they also knew that God might not. Now that is really hard for us to understand. And it's even harder to accept, isn't it? Because if God can do that thing that we deem good and right and necessary and helpful, then why doesn't he do it? Why doesn't God put a stop to the COVID pandemic that has killed almost 900,000 people? Why doesn't God protect the battered wife and the abused child? Why doesn't God provide financially for this single mom who struggles to feed her children? Why? 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 There is no easy answer to those questions, and there is absolutely no answer apart from from the belief that God is not confined by what you and I can understand. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 9, God says of himself, For as heaven is higher than earth, so, are, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. If you and I are ever going to have this, even if he doesn't faith, we're going to have to realize that God is God and we are not. We are going to have to accept that often God's purposes are accomplished outside of human understanding we are going to have to believe that sometimes God allows really painful circumstances that seem contrary to his good nature in order to accomplish his purposes and point the world to him. If we are ever going to have this, even if he doesn't faith, we are going to have to admit that we cannot see the big picture of life as God sees it. Even if he doesn't faith acknowledges that God knows better than we do. Now, building this faith is not easy. It is a process. And the first step in this process is actually to acknowledge that you can't do it and I can't do it on my own. (laughs) The first step in this process is to acknowledge our need for God and turn to Him and ask Him to empower us through His Spirit even if he doesn't, faith is humanly impossible outside of the power of God. But it can happen as you and I surrender to God, as we surrender to his power and to his spirit and allow him to transform our thoughts And our emotions. And so that leads me to our big idea for today. And the big idea is this even if he doesn't, faith happens as we surrender to the power of God and allow him to transform our thoughts and emotions. Even if he doesn't, Faith happens as we surrender to the power of God and allow him to transform our thoughts and emotions. We're going to have a time of reflection right now. And so as Shanna plays and then eventually as she sings over us, I want to ask you a few questions. First of all, What is your fiery furnace? What is the situation that has happened in your life or that is currently happening in your life that is destroying your faith, your belief that God is good and is preventing you from following him? I want you to think about that. Maybe you even wanna write that down. My fiery furnace is, whatever that is for you. And then I wanna ask you some questions to meditate on. Will you surrender that thing to God? Will you give it to him and say, I can't do this, God. This is destroying me and my faith, and I give it to you. Will you surrender to God and to the fact that he wants to build this kind of faith in you? will you surrender your need to be god in this your need to fix it to manipulate it will you surrender your comfort will you surrender your plans will you surrender your expectations God wants to do a work in you. He wants to do a work in me. And the first step of that is to say, God, I surrender. So let's think and meditate as Shanna sings over us. I don't understand why you have us in these fiery furnaces. These situations are hard, they're horrible, they're difficult. And honestly, sometimes it makes us feel that you are not good because you've allowed this into our life. But Lord, we come to you this morning and we acknowledge that you are God and we are not. And we acknowledge that you are who you are, no matter how we feel about you. And so God, I pray that you would help us surrender. Help us surrender to you. Help us. Give us faith where we are lacking Open our eyes to a perspective that is outside of ourselves. Help us to know that we are powerless in our own power to change our thoughts and our emotions, but you can do it and want to do it for us. So, Jesus, we just say, Help. We surrender to you this morning in your name we pray amen